0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode on Raza Rising Above Shadows of Abuse with your host, Grace Hopper. Today's episode centers around news relating to abuse around the world, United Kingdom. A 74 year old man called a master manipulator who started abusing children in the 1970s before persuading his wife Judith to commit sexual offenses has been jailed for 31 years. David Twiname also encouraged another woman, Antoinette Allroyd, to partake in his depraved fantasies, police said. Twain of Wingfield Road, Efferton, Derbyshire was jailed for a total of 28 sexual offences at Debbie Crown Court on Thursday. He was found guilty of 10 counts of rape and 5 counts of indecent assault. Five of the rapes were related to children under the age of 16. He also admitted to several offences, including indecent assault of another child under the age of 16. Extreme animal pornography and sexual offences with a dog, the most recent in 2019. His wife, Judith Burton, 59, was handed a two-year suspended sentence with a rehabilitation order. She admitted two sexual offences relating to children dating back 30 years and two charges of having sex with a dog between 1987 and 2004. Holroyd, 78, admitted to indecently assaulting a child on the 16th. She received a 21-month sentence suspended for a period of 21 months and a rehabilitation order. Both Button and Horroyd were added to the sex offenders register for 10 years. Detective Sergeant Dan Thornby of Derbyshire Constabulary said, This was an extremely complex case. We spanned decades and impacted the lives of all those affected, some of whom were just children at the time of the offences. He continues... I would like to thank the survivors involved for their bravery over the last few years. And whilst nothing can ever undo the harm that Twain, Burton and Holroyd caused, I really do hope that today's sentencing will allow them to move forward with their lives. Twain is not only a pedophile, he's also a master manipulator who encouraged others to partake in his depraved fantasies. He denied several of the charges, thereby prolonging the suffering of those he abused by forcing them to endure a trial. Thankfully, the jury saw through his web of lies and found him guilty. The Telegraph As reported by Henry Samuel, 17th of October 2022. A young girl of 12 years was found dead in a suitcase. She was believed to have been raped and tortured. Homeless woman and a man were charged after the body of Lola Daviet was found in Paris, France. They will be charged to court very soon. Metro News, as reported by Joe Roberts, Monday the 17th of October 2022. King Charles's mentor, Lord Mountbatten, abused a boy of 11 in children's home in the 1970s. Arthur Smith, A former resident of the King Cora home in Belfast has waived his right to anonymity to make the allegations against the influential royal. Lord Mountbatten, known as Uncle Dickie, in royal circles, was a close mentor to King Charles up until his death at the hands of the IRA, who detonated a bomb on his boat, killing him and three others in 1979. The solicitors representing Mr Smith, Kevin Winters, said the legal proceedings allege negligence and breach of duty of care and were being brought against a number of institutions in Northern Ireland. A summons has been filed, which is said to be issued in the High Court in Belfast on Tuesday. Mr Winters said central to the case are our client's allegations of abuse by the late Lord Louis Mountbatten. Understandably, many abuse survivors for reasons of obvious sensitivity choose to remain anonymous. Arthur's decision to reveal his identity must be set against this backdrop. It is bore out of anger at systemic state cover-up on abuse at these institutions. He alleges to have been abused twice as an 11-year-old by the deceased royal. It's the first time that someone has stepped forward to take allegations against Lord Mountbatten into a court. That decision hasn't been taken lightly. He understands only too well that it will be a deeply unpopular case with many people coming as it within weeks of the passing of the Queen. The Kinkora home opened on Belfast Upper New Tarnards Road close to Stormont's Parliament building in May 1958 and closed in October 1980 after a sex abuse scandal. A historical institutional abuse inquiry found 39 boys were abused at Kinkora, leading to three men being jailed for the abuse of 11 boys. However, it found no evidence that security agencies were complicit in the abuse. Recent reports by the police ombudsman For Northern Ireland Pony, Mary Anderson said complaints from some former residents about the failure of police to investigate allegations of sexual abuse at Kinkora were legitimate and justified. The solicitor representing Mr. Smith, Mr. Winters, added, The recent Pony report into Kinkora, despite a welcoming finding on police investigative failures, only scratches the surface of what really went on. An update will be given when we have more news relating to this matter. Sky News, October twentieth, twenty 2022. Child abuse inquiry. Turning a blind eye should be against the law. As reported by Ashna Hongnag, news correspondent. Institutions that work with children should be required by law to report suspicions of child sexual abuse. A landmark independent inquiry has concluded. The inquiries found crimes were sometimes concealed from authorities with allegations not recorded and victims treated as if they were unworthy of protection and blamed for the abuse. One of the concerns raised by the inquiry is that many of the individuals who failed to report abuse to the police or even social services may have failed to meet their professional or moral obligations but did not break any laws in doing so. It said systemic change is needed to ensure reporting of allegations of child sexual abuse. This final report in a seven year long independent inquiry into child sexual abuse said urgent action is required to protect children across England and Wales after it found many institutions have historically inadequate measures that fail to safeguard children from abuse that happened and continues to happen in schools, care homes, and in religious settings. Professor Alexis J., the chair of the inquiry, said the extent of child's sexual abuse cannot be underestimated the sexual abuse of children is an epidemic that leaves thousands of victims in its poisonous wake we heard time and time again how allegations of abuse were ignored victims were blamed and institutions prioritized their reputations over the protection of children I urge the UK government, the Welsh government and all other relevant institutions to implement the inquiry's recommendations as a matter of urgency. Home Secretary Grant Sharp said, I will keep the voices of victims and survivors front and centre in everything I do and I will ensure that the findings of the inquiry and their invaluable testimonies are acted upon. To date... We've already taken action to tackle this abhorrent crime and learn from the lessons of the past but i know there is much more to do this is the start of a new chapter in our efforts to put an end to this terrible crime the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse was set up because of serious concerns that some institutions had failed and were continuing to fail to protect children from sexual abuse During seven years of investigating, the inquiry saw 725 witnesses give evidence and heard from 7,300 victims and survivors who shared their experiences in person over the phone, via video call and through written accounts. 36% of victims and survivors who shared their experiences said at least one incident of sexual abuse they experienced took place in an institution outside the family home. Schools were most frequently reported location. In its list of 20 recommendations, the inquiry lays out that the mandatory reporting of child sexual abuse must be an absolute obligation for those who work in the regulated activity or work in a position of trust with children. The requirement of reporting, with the inquiry once written into law, says should not be subjected to exceptions based on relationships of confidentiality, religious or otherwise. Vigilance is also key to the reporting. Otherwise, the inquiry notes that is a very real risk. Institutions may continue with or revert to poor practice and worse still, actively downplay child sexual abuse. The inquiry's conclusion and recommendations for change also draw attention to the scale of online facilitated child sexual abuse, saying it is not just a national crisis, but a global one. They found children are being increasingly groomed and manipulated on internet platforms to commit sexual acts on screen, often for the purpose of sexual exploitation. It said indecent images of children are being widely distributed and live streams of the sexual abuse of children around the world are prolific with the number of referrals to law enforcement agencies running into tens of millions. A change in the law for mandatory reporting is the best and most urgent place to start it. Many of the victims and survivors found the legal processes to be hostile, baffling, frustrating and futile. Mirror Newspapers, 23rd of October, 2022, reported by Liam Buckler. Tortured teen twins plan to escape from abusive mum's house of horrors. A teenage girl and boy from Texas, USA, were handcuffed, kept naked, and left malnourished by their mom, Zakiya Duncan, 40, and boyfriend, Jova Terrell, 26. The plan, designed by the two 16-year-old twins to escape from their abusive mother's house of horrors, was revealed. Their mom and her boyfriend handcuffed the malnourished girl and boy after holding them captive in their family home in Houston, Texas. New court documents have revealed the teenage boy waited for his mom and her boyfriend to fall asleep as they plotted to escape. The boy hid the key to the handcuffs in his mouth and fled the laundry room, where they were both held in the family home. The children from Texas had to drink water from a supply valve in the washing machine as they were whipped with electrical cords, beaten with a metal rod and forced to drink bleach. On Friday, a neighbour who helped them escape told Good Morning America, They were shocked at how badly the kids looked. She said their hands were so swollen, their poor hands were bigger than the rest of their bodies. A spokesman for the county's constable's office, Jeff McShan, said the children were left naked most of the time. Their mom, Miss Duncan, and her boyfriend, Mr Turrell, were detained and arrested on Tuesday following the horrific allegations and have been charged with aggravated assault of a family member. Meanwhile, the twins are still in hospital and will go into foster care once they have recovered from the ordeal. The Texas Department of Family Protective Services are looking into the case. Ms. Duncan has seven children. All seven children have since been taken into child protection services. The case continues. Apple News, as reported by Abby Rodel October twentieth, twenty 2022, Jane Epstein, sexually abused by her brother as a child, is voice for other survivors of sibling sexual abuse. Jane Epstein said she was raped by her brother, who was six years her senior, when she was only six years old. Now, 54, tells people in this week's issue that she recalls her brother touching and prodding her like a science experiment and this made her feel confused she had memories of him coming into her room at night he often babysat her in order for him to be alone with her for more than 40 years jane kept her suffering secret ashamed of what had happened And unsure if this was an abuse until she realized how deeply it had affected her. Jane has since become an advocate for others affected by what's known as sibling sexual abuse or SSA, a silent epidemic she calls it. This kind of abuse is rarely discussed and rarely reported. It is considered the most common form of child sexual abuse in the home occurring at least three times the rate of parent-child sexual abuse. It's a huge problem, but so many survivors don't come forward, says Brad Watts, a Tennessee-based counsellor who works with families affected by sibling sexual abuse, SSA. When parents discover, their first reaction is, we can't let anybody know. That's the worst thing that can happen. The most important thing is to get help jane epstein suffered the effects of anxiety depression and shame for decades before she found support she recalls growing up before the abuse as a shy silly girl who loved dolls and riding bikes. her father who has since died was a school psychologist her mother was a teacher her brother played sports the the whole family was involved ...and raised in a religious setting. She said they were taught right from wrong. She says sex education in the 70s was not really high on the list... ...nor was body safety. They were, she says, a typical family. This could happen to anybody's family. No one is immune. She says her sibling never threatened her... ...and her sibling didn't really physically hurt her. But she knew there was something wrong... The trauma began to surface later, around the sixth grade. She became angry, rebellious, and looking back now, she says, the shame was what made her angry. She also says she realized how promiscuous she was and how important boys and boys' attention was to her. She recalls the abuse ended when her brother left for college. When Jane was 21 years old, her brother apologized and she later wrote him a letter of forgiveness. I believe him when he said he didn't think he was hurting me, she says. I think if he had known the damage that he was causing to me and potentially himself, he wouldn't have done it, she said. Her brother recounted that what he did was out of curiosity and it dawned on him after watching a film called The Curly Purple, which depicts sexual violence. This made him realise he might have hurt his sibling and he apologised. Jane, a stay-at-home mum, said she was always unhappy and didn't know why. She felt depressed most times and decided to go in for therapy. She thought it was not a big deal, but her therapist said it was a big deal. Once she understood the impact the abuse had on her she began googling for more information and found very little no one was talking about it she said she has launched a facebook page for survivors of sexual abuse which has more than 6000 members and she's since launched a website called complicated courage which is a working title of a memoir she's hoping to publish this spring this will be a resource for families affected by ssa are desperate for help she has also shared her story on tiktok and on tedx stage in january her talk has more than 190 views today jane epstein says she has a good relationship with her brother experts have found that with proper treatment the overwhelmingly majority of children who sexually abuse their siblings will not go on to repeat the abuse Evening Standard Reported by Martin Betham Tuesday 25th of October 2022 Harvey Weinstein the 70 year old disgraced Hollywood producer raped the future first lady of California after luring her to his hotel bedroom for a supposed business meeting and then told her she will feel better after his attack a court has been told Deputy District Attorney Paul Thompson, said Jennifer Sibel Newsom, The wife of California Governor Gavin Newsom, was one of the several women attacked by Weinstein, who will testify against the disgraced producer at his trial in Los Angeles. He further said each woman had given similar accounts of being cornered in hotel rooms and forced into sexual encounters, when they were young and aspiring. Weinstein, who's already serving a 23-year sentence following his conviction in New York for sexual assaults, including rape, is facing 11 further sex charges in the new Los Angeles trial. He denies the charges, claiming all of the encounters were consensual, with his lawyer saying Weinstein's accusers had willingly taken advantage of Hollywood's casting couch culture by having transactional sex because of his power. Mr. Thompson said Miss Sybil Newsom, a filmmaker and former actress who married the future governor in 2008 had been a powerless actor trying to make her way in Hollywood when she met Weinstein in 2005 and was invited to his suite at a Beverly Hills hotel to discuss her career. The jury heard Weinstein Changed into his bathrobe before calling Miss Sibyl Newsome to the bathroom, where he told her to touch him. Mr. Thompson said Weinstein switched from pleading to aggressive and commanding before pulling Miss Sibyl Newsome to his bed and telling her, "Relax, this is going to make you feel better." Before raping her, Miss Newsome was crying and scared during the attack and had been left feeling ashamed and confused as well as feeling that she had no choice but to remain in contact with Weinstein after the attack. The prosecutor said Weinstein had similarly lauded it over with other victims, talking about women stars whose careers he had made. Mr Thompson said all the women would testify. Weinstein ignored signs. They did not consent, including their shaking bodies, their crying, their saying no. Weinstein who has pleaded not guilty, was brought into court in a wheelchair. Mark Wexman, representing Weinstein, told the court the women consented to sex to help their careers and said he's not Brad Pitt or George Clooney. Do you think this beautiful woman had sex with him because he is hot? No, they had sex with him because he is powerful, he claimed. Miss Sybil Newsom was just another bimbo. The trial continues. What are your thoughts regarding this? Kindly leave a comment. Jezebel News Friday, October 2022, USA is domestic abuse survivor who won landmark Supreme Court case was found dead in her home. Last month nakis Golan made the chilling observation on Facebook that many women end up dead in cases like hers. The Supreme Court ruled unanimously in Golan v Sada that Naki Golan, a domestic abuse survivor who fled Italy to the U.S. with her child, couldn't be forced to return her young son to his allegedly abusive father, Isako Sada. Four months later, on Wednesday evening, the 32-year-old woman, was found dead in her home. In a statement to Jezebel, the Office of the New York Police Department deputy, deputy Commissioner of Public Information said, there is no criminality suspected at this time, but the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner is still determining the cause of death and the investigation remains ongoing. Supporters of Golan have since expressed heartbreak outrage and suspicion about the circumstances of her death on social media especially as her young son now faces the risk of being forced to return to his father in Italy in the weeks before her death despite the supreme court's ruling in Golan's favor the u.s district court of the eastern district of new york still upheld its previous decision that Golan should return her child to Sada in Italy in 2019 the district court concluded that returning to Italy would expose Golan's son to severe and continuing domestic violence, but is ruled in Sada's favor nonetheless due to a technical precedent set by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Golan, her supporters insist, was a protective mother who would not leave her child. Golan's sister, Maureen Golan, told Jezebel Vera Zoom that those seeking to respect Golan's family. Her young son and her legacy as an advocate should refrain from speculating about her death at this time. We want to make sure that the right information is shared and that we are all respectful about it because the battle is not over. There's still a lot of work to be done and we don't want anyone's narrative to affect our ability to continue to protect her son, Maureen said. Nicole Fidler, the director of pro bono services at the Sanctuary for Families, who worked closely with Golan on her case for years, told Jezebel that Golan should be remembered for her perseverance and her refusal to give up her fight to protect her young son, literally until her dying day. On the night of Golan's death, Fidler said she was on the phone with her attorneys, strategizing about the Second Circuit appeal, so she really was fighting until the very end. That's the important thing to remember here. On September 1st 2022, Golan responded to the district court's most recent ruling in a Facebook post. After winning at the Supreme Court, I had to yet again face the same unsympathetic judge who wants to force my son back to a country where I was tortured, raped, and abused in every way. Golan wrote, There was never justice for me. All I can do is try to be the best mummy. I can while fighting this battle that makes no sense i just keep asking myself why why does the system enable such a person to continue to cost my son and i ham through the courts after surviving such abuse she continued before making the chilling observation that many women end up dead in cases like hers people call me a survivor What have I survived when I'm still fighting for my human rights that has been stripped away from me for so many years while the real criminal gets to live his best life knowing he still holds that power over my head? Why must I be threatened and silenced by the system that meant to protect us? Why? I'm just trying to give my son the life he deserves Golan wrote. She concluded I probably won't ever have those answers but one thing I know for sure is that I won't stop fighting and from now on I won't be silenced either. I want the world to know the truth. Golan was found dead this week a little over a month after her impassioned Facebook post. In an audio clip of a conversation between Sada and Golan shared with the public on Thursday, Sada can be heard telling Golan that he's well connected to judges and courts in Italy amid their ongoing legal battle. In Golan's legal filings, she accused Sada of pushing, slapping and grabbing her, often in front of their son and even making threats against her life. When Golan took her son to the US for her brother's wedding in 2018, Instead of returning to Italy, she took refuge in a local domestic violence shelter. Golan sought a gets or a Jewish religious marriage divorce from Sada, her husband, since 2014, but he refused unless she returned to Italy with their child. Legal representatives for Sada did not immediately respond to requests for comment about Golan's death by phone and email. Golan never gave in to Sada's demands. Morin said, My sister was trying to protect her son from a great evil. Giving up was never an option for her family, for her child and not only her child but for all the women who were reaching out to her telling their stories. There is nothing she would not do for her son and the women and kids she was fighting for. Golan insisted that she wanted to change the law for children and mothers like her called Hague Moms who flee their countries of origin with their children to escape abuse, only to face legal retaliation from abusers who weaponized the Hague Convention's child adoption clauses? She always would say we're going up to the Supreme Court and the lawyers on our case were always a little skeptical because we knew the odds, Fiedler said. The Supreme Court accepts about one percent of cases, but she knew this was a fight worth fighting even if everything, financially, the whole court system was stacked against her. She was the survivor of such extreme abuse and control, and she's a survivor of the court system too, which is a very difficult and challenging place for survivors of domestic violence, Fidler told me. Her legacy is the Supreme Court case. The Supreme Court ruling in Golan's favour marked a crucial victory for domestic abuse victims like Golan and their children, who seek refuge in the US moving forward. Previously, a precedent set by the US Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit required that children should be returned to the country of their habitual residence despite risk of facing abuse. If there are any ameliorative measures that can reduce the risk of abuse, before Golan's case went to the Supreme Court. A U.S. District Court and the Second Circuit ruled that her son had to be returned to his father in Italy because measures would theoretically be taken to reduce the risk of harm to the child. Namely, the District Court ruled Sada could be required to go to therapy, drop criminal charges against Golan and pay her $20,000 for the return of their son. What they did to her for the last five years of her life was very horrible. Forcing her to experience such heaviness, such mental emotional exhaustion, even after acknowledging the abuse, Maureen said. In the Supreme Court's decision to reverse those prior rulings, Justice Sonia Sotomeo wrote that a court is not bound to order a child's return. If it finds that return, will put the child at a grave risk of physical or psychological harm and that courts aren't required to examine all possible ameliorative measures in order to deny a Higgs Convention petition for a child's return. Golan's Facebook page features post after post lifting up the stories of mothers and survivors trying to protect their kids and how her friends and followers could help them she was a warrior she paved the way for all the people that are in that situation for them and their kids to be safer 24th of October 2022 the Independent Newspapers USA, reported by Sheila Flynn. Ohio mother Judy Malinowski miraculously survived for almost two years after her boyfriend doused her in gasoline and set her alight. She suffered unimaginable pain, but used that time to fight for other victims and record testimony in her own murder trial that sent her attack at a prison for life. She suffered burns to more than 90% of her body, Judy's voice is steely, belying an unfathomable strength and determination from a body on the verge of giving up. The assent victim is talking through the live feed to her lawyer and then to the attorney representing Michael Slanger, the boyfriend who tried to kill her. Months after giving the disposition, Judy will be dead. Those videotaped conversations will prompt a historic development within an Ohio court system Allowing a murder victim to testify at their own trial. That's exactly what Judy did. As she personally addressed the judge and jurors from the grave, Slanger was sentenced to life without parole. Judy not only made history with her posthumous testimony, her story and advocacy also helped push through a state law that adds up to six years to sentences for offenders who attack and disfigure victims with accelerants such as gasoline. Legislators unanimously passed Judy's law and was signed by the governor, Judy's two daughters at his side the same week as her funeral. This woman contributed to American legal precedent, director Patricia Gillespie, who first read about the story in a newspaper piece that didn't even make the front page tells the independent it's a wild story everybody should know about this woman judy grew up in suburban ohio where she enjoyed a happy childhood even winning beauty pageants and was crowned homecoming queen however when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer as a young adult she beat it once but was told in 2006 that the cancer had returned Doctors performed a full hysterectomy on Judy, but she became addicted to opiates during recovery at a time when the drug epidemic was exploding across the United States. When Judy's insurance ran out, she could no longer access prescriptions. She turned to the streets for heroin. Judy herself says this in the documentary, which utilizes video footage filmed by family and detectives relatives helped care for judy's two young daughters as she worked through her addiction and tried to get back on her feet she made great progress until she began dating michael slugger slugger contacted judy on social media and the pair became inseparable from their first date onwards unbeknownst to her family slugger had a lengthy record with offenses ranging from theft stalking, to child endangerment and domestic assault During her relationship with Slugger, Judy fell back into addiction. He would buy her drugs, according to the film, despite not using them himself. It created a toxic cycle, leaving her controlled by and dependent upon him. The pair fought often. It was one of those fights while Judy was on her way back to rehab in 2015 that would ultimately turn deadly. During the altercation by a gas station of that year, judy threw a soda at slugger he responded by dousing her with gasoline surveillance footage from an atm across the street shows slugger head back to his black truck only to return in half a minute with a lighter seconds later judy's entire body was engulfed in flames as slugger looked on a frantic 911 caller alerted authorities Slager began attempting to pass off the attack as an accident. Judy was whisked to the hospital where she was not expected to survive. In the burn world, we have an equation for mortality, which is based on the patient's age and present burn, says Stacy Best, one of Judy's nurses. As Judy fought for her life, detectives were investigating what had really happened outside that gas station. It was the ATM surveillance footage in addition to eyewitness statements that almost immediately tore to shreds Slager's account. It looked like a movie scene, lead detective Chad Kohagen says in the film, adding that the footage was clearly showing that they were arguing and then Michael dumped gas over her. Assistant Prosecutor Warren Edwards says, in the fire that took her, that they basically were waiting for Judy to die so that they could charge Mr. Slager with a homicide. But fortunately, they got a call that she was awake. That was a call he never expected to get. The prosecutor said that it was the first homicide case he handled where he got to meet the victim. Judy's explanation of her attack is chilling as she strains to speak after miraculously emerging from her coma. I don't think words can describe what it feels like to have your whole body set on fire, she says in the film. I thought for sure I was dying. I just prayed to Jesus to please forgive me for my sins and to take care of my children. And that was it. I blacked out. I don't remember anything until I woke up in the hospital. Coogan records he has never seen trauma like that to a human body that wasn't deceased. yui gave her disposition in early 2017 less than five months later on june the 27th she passed away slager was subsequently charged with murder and her testimony admitted into the trial in july 2018 slager pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison Judy made clear that she did not want him to receive the death penalty, hoping he would find religion while in prison, according to the film. Her obituary praises her courageous and miraculous 23 month battle for her life, outlining how Judy's case inspired the change of legislation to extend sentences of criminals of felonious assault who have disfigured their victims. She was pivotal in the passage of this law by enduring excruciating pain to be able to testify in her own case. Miss Gillespie said, I've come to care and show a tremendous amount of love and human and greed and somebody who was really ready to get her life together and was cut short because we haven't figured out a way to handle the medical industrial complex and big farmer. We haven't figured out a way to handle addiction. We haven't figured out a way to most importantly handle domestic abusers, repeated offenders, and to sentence these people properly when they do commit these crimes. She says she feels that in some ways Judy is representative of a lot of us, or a role model or figurehead for a lot of us, or women who survived domestic abuse. The tragic case is chronicled in the fire that took her. A documentary that opened on October the twenty-first for a limited-time release, before it becomes available to stream next year. If you have been affected by by news, kindly send an email or comment to Rising Above Shadows of Abuse at gmail.com. This has been Grace of for Raza, Rising above Shadows of Abuse. See you on our next episode. Remain positive and be safe. Thank you. If you've got any questions or inquiries, you can get in touch, rising shadows of abuse at gmail.com or our social media platforms. Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. At TikTok, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. Twitter, Rising Above Abuse. YouTube, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. See you on our next episode. This has been Grace Hopper for Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. Thank you.